0: Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So MC, I'm not going to lie. There's a little part of me that wants to do this on an Instagram live because um, of the corrective experience, uh, you know, that story of me getting hit by a motorcycle and then, um, coming back to the scene and doing, I feel a little bit of that. Uh, and I just want to insert real quick, uh, for you MC, as well as people listening, if they don't know, um, disclaimer about my podcast, it's, uh, assembly is required, meaning, uh, the, uh, (laughs) listener has to put some of our (laughs) our conversations together and so um I love it. they will hopefully uh understand what we're talking about because we're going to get there this time uh, <laughs> but yeah and then i thought about it and i was like you know what you're making it about you again you know um what if it uh crashes like the last time and mm-hmm. now you're now you know you can't do it twice to someone um but mm-hmm. here we are and uh i'm actually um Glad that we're doing it this way.
1: Me too. I so like we, the assembly required. For some reason, I thought you meant like some political assembly. And I was like, What, John? Are you talking no,
0: no. <laughs> about? I'm talking about nonlinear. I'm talking about uh, in a you nonlinear way. Yeah. yeah. Three <laughs> questions I'm going to ask you. Okay. And for people who are like, Well, who the fuck is this guest? We're going to get to it. It doesn't feel I want to slow down. I want to slow down and we're gonna get to all of that. We're gonna go. Um, yeah, yeah. gonna go deeper. Okay, number one. I This is called fill in the blanks. Okay. I wish I could stop my pattern of
1: overworking.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which I know that sounds like a cop out, but it really is a serious problem that I've really been digging in and trying to figure out for the past for many years, and I've gotten a lot better, but I can't figure it out. So yeah.
0: If I could go back in time, I would change. What about you? This is an interview. This is me interviewing you. you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you don't you don't get to hit the ball back.
1: There's no reciprocity, right? (laughs) When we start talking,
0: you can't. If I could go back in time, I would change.
1: Oh, man. Um, The first thing that comes up, and I'm not sure why is my mom's like last year of life. I think i would have just quit my job and and been around her more
0: yeah and we'll get into that yeah. um my new definition of love
1: is oh, um when you can feel at peace around somebody else
0: oh i love it i love it's a simple simple but potent yeah um My guest today I'm super excited about is someone who goes uh, way back, back, I would say 12 years back, maybe perhaps uh, we met on the internet when most people were on dial up and I was um, blogging on a platform called Tumblr.
1: I miss Tumblr.
0: I do miss it a little bit. You know, I think um, maybe it will come back kind of like Atari or retro like, yeah, yeah. You know, like it becomes vintage, because uh, it's still up there. Just still no there. Yep. yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Um, MC McDonald is a professor, she has um, more letters after her name than me. She's a doctor. Uh, she's been studying trauma for the last seven years ish.
1: 14. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, 14 years. The only reason I know
1: that on the top of my head is because we couldn't do the math the other day and we had to both get calculators. So. Oh,
0: that's right. Um, 14 <laughs> years studying trauma. And mm-hmm. uh, she has a brand new book out. I'm super proud of her. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Unbroken. And if you are listening, well, of course you're listening. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a treat. You, you, you're going to, your mind's going to be blown because we're going to do a deep dive on trauma. We're going to, um, Flip it on its head. We're gonna redefine it. So we're gonna do a lot of things um, with that topic, and then of course get to know MC as we're we're um, doing that. Yes. What else do you do? You have a full practice. What else do you? Because uh, we we know you you um, are overworked.
1: I'm overworked. So I teach, but I, this is the problem is that I like a lot of things. I um, so I teach college um, for two different universities, um, and I teach at the Tat Lab three yep. times a week and i have a full practice and i'm also i guess an author
0: take out the i guess <laughs> take us repeat the last sentence without the i guess
1: and i'm an author
0: yes uh not the first time she's been published because she's also written textbooks right mm-hmm. yeah uh, two other
1: there they yeah, two books on trauma that are priced like textbooks i kind of yes. tried to go rogue in academia yeah
0: because... and she finally did go rogue she hopped the fence and now she has a book that is going to go wide. Um, I can't wait for you to walk into the Barnes and Noble or, or any bookstore and yeah. uh, see your book. It's, it's a it's a, for me, that's the kind of the um, watery eyed experience. Uh, when you get the box of books and you get to hold it in your hand. That's, that's mm-hmm. really cool too. A lot of times people cry. Um, yeah. But for me, it was um, it was going to the bookstore and seeing it on the shelf that really did it for me.
1: It, seeing the cover was was a moment for sure. Like yeah. seeing what the cover art looked like, but I can't. So I can't even imagine the intensity of seeing it in the store. Like what?
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, not to, not to change the tone, but we're gonna go off the deep end just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of trauma, three traumatic moments or events in your life number one would be?
1: Um, The death of my father was the Mm. biggest trauma that I had.
0: And how old were you when that happened?
1: I was 24. I had just turned 24, like two months. Yeah.
0: And how did that event uh, ripple into your life? How did that shape you?
1: you know, it's funny, like for, I think this is important to say about really shocking grief too, like trauma and traumatic loss. I, I, it didn't really hit me for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. So it was actually June of 2006, about six months later when I just absolutely like, I I don't even know, like, I don't want to casually use the phrase lost my mind, but it really shattered everything. And I just became sort of like a a puddle of anxiety um, because I kind of realized it, it just hit me then and I realized that nothing that I previously believed about the world was true and I didn't even know that I believed things like you know I was studying psychoanalysis and philosophy and I thought I was an adult and mm-hmm. and was you know alternative and new things and I was actually studying um, grief and mourning and Freud right before it happened so um, so I think I thought I knew a thing and I feel like every time that happens the universe is like oh sweetie.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's let's pull the rug underneath. Yeah, you, you don't know a thing. <laughs> you
1: know?
0: So um, what would be one takeaway from that event? Um, not, not not takeaways and what you've learned? I mean, it can be what you learned. But uh, what was the secondary change? What was the change that uh, wasn't that isn't reversible? Or wasn't reversible? You know, there's a permanence to this because of that event?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't even know who I would be. Um, if it hadn't been for that loss and everything that I learned after, and that's not to like candy coat it. It was awful. Mm-hmm. All the learning was awful. And I would trade everything for f- 10 minutes back with my dad, you know, oh, man. such an important person in my life. Um, yeah.
0: I can't imagine also at 24 and yeah. uh, you guys were close.
1: Yeah. And you still, you know, I, or maybe I shouldn't say universally, I still needed him. You know what I mean? Like there've been many, many times in my life, even recently um, where I'm just like, oh man, you know, I want to talk to my dad. But I think the thing that changed the most was that I, I was really forced to come face to face with the anxiety that I've been struggling with for my whole life and figure out just, you know, I have panic disorder Mm -hmm. um, and OCD and I had had these kind of uh slap together band-aid sort of fixes on those things and i could Mm. they didn't work anymore none of my coping mechanisms worked actually i wanted to call the introduction of the book this got this got changed but i wanted to call it xanax and jumping jacks because those were truly the only two coping mechanisms that i had in the world
0: that's a great and when they
1: didn't work i know right (laughs) and it rhymes and the whole thing but um yeah. So I mean, I think having to face that and really go deep and figure out a different way to be in the world. Um, but yeah, it it really kind of tore apart the fabric of the universe for me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I used to believe that like if you were a good person, that bad things couldn't happen to you. And my dad right. was like the best person. So the fact that it happened, it really made me rethink everything and re resituate myself.
0: You know, I'm thinking about a few things as you're telling the story. One, um, a, l- a little jealous. Um, your 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 dad seemed like uh, a really wonderful person and but also your relationship with him it just uh i'm jealous of that because uh, my dad is also no longer here but um Mm -hmm. you know i didn't get to know him on that level i also Mm -hmm. uh i speak broken korean he speaks broken english so it's like we couldn't have you know long deep conversations uh he just worked a lot Mm -hmm. and um he was kind of funny he was a little bit inappropriate he was also an alcoholic um, but the the images I see, you know, you and your dad at a coffee shop talking about life, or you yeah. know, sitting on a brick wall, like those kind of uh, I was gonna say Kodak moments, but that really dates me. I think that was commercials uh, in the eighties. So back like- now
1: coming back, <laughs> and they know about Kodak again. You're
0: good. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's back in style. But um, <laughs> man, that so so I guess I'm. I mean, all to say that um, how lucky you were. Oh for sure. We do live and in a gonna- this nation.
1: We do. You, yeah, I was thinking about that a lot on Father's Day. I, uh, I had a job recently where I was working with previously incarcerated gang members, and mm. that was yeah. so much more. I already knew that, but it was made so much more vivid. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he was, I wish you could have met him. He would love you, that he would have freaked out. He would have been like calling you on the phone and being like, John, I noticed that yesterday <laughs> you had 2 million followers and today you have 2 million and a half, whatever. <laughs> like, What do you make of that? And how do you do, you know, he was just so like infinitely interested in people and like yeah. just- Made you feel like the the sun was shining on you, you know what I mean. He used to pick me up at the train station in New York. We I grew up in Western Mass, mm-hmm. and so I would take the train to New Haven, and then he would pick me up, and we'd drive the rest of the way, and have just these super like deep conversations, you know.
0: So it's, the last uh, the last thing this does for me, and we're gonna move on, is um, it makes it's it, it makes me because I'm a father now. It makes yeah. me want to be like that. It reminds yeah. me. Um, to be present with my daughter and um, actually <laughs> engage and, yeah. uh, you know, and that life is precious. So great. Reminder. It is so important. Like, yeah.
1: yeah, you know that, but yeah.
0: Traumatic events number two in your life.
1: Um, the death of my mom about it was she just made it just two years after. So she died in 2008. In, in so
0: February. speaking of the universe pulling rugs.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was confusing. Yeah. I think actually the second traumatic thing, I'm going to change my answer. The second traumatic thing was finding out that she, my mom was a very, my parents were very different. And my mom was like kind of a, I call her a benevolent terrorist, which if you knew her, you know exactly what I mean. Um, and if you're offended, you know, that's your problem. <laughs> but she was a force of nature and way? in In all the ways, like she was in control. She was brutal. Sometimes she was, she could make you feel like nothing in, Mm. with a look, like she was just like firepower and she was completely operating out of fear, but we didn't know that growing up. We just knew that she was, she was the, the, (laughs) the center of the universe. Like she was the law and the discipline and, and everything. And then when my dad died, my dad was the total opposite. Mm-hmm. not that he never disciplined or anything like that or never got mad but he was so like kind of like she used to call him this there were six kids in my family the seventh kid because he was so playful and like very mm-hmm. counter to her and wow, so when wait, he- you
0: you have uh you have five other siblings
1: yeah yeah wow
0: yep. i didn't know that this is amazing <laughs> yeah where um, do you fall in position
1: definitely. i'm the fifth so i'm the second youngest
0: wow unbelievable okay
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but so see, I think seeing that she couldn't like really, she, what, she was trying so hard, but she couldn't live without my dad was really shocking. Cause then she became a lot less powerful, you know? Right. And it was like, has this all been like the kind of the wizard of Oz, the wizard behind the curtain? Like you're all oh. sounding scary, but there's not like, who are you even, you know?
0: Yeah. And also, um, you witnessed her dependency or you, totally, yeah, you know, saw that, um, yeah. Well, also you you just saw that she was human.
1: Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. All all everybody, you know, falls at some point. Um, but then when she died, it was like this other, it was like a rerupture of the universe because in a way it the universe started making sense again because she was yeah. like back to my dad. But right. there was kind of a cascade of events after her death where that kind of really splintered us siblings. And so we went from feeling this feeling like this big unified you know group to kind of just random people scattered mm. so it was like within a couple of months it was like we lost our house the I mean we sold it so we lost our like childhood home and all the stuff and all of us were just sort of scattered and it was just like what the fuck happened you know
0: yeah so it's like uh I mean nothing changes life faster than death or birth right so uh, yeah um,
1: yeah wow yeah
0: so you were 27 or you were under 30 and you had now just lost both your parents
1: yeah i think i was 26 when my mom died yeah and i had just lost both my parents and no one else i knew had had like i was working with people who were 20 and 25 and 30 years older than me Mm -hmm. who because i had a job in hr at the time um when i was in grad school and none of them like no one no one some people one or two people that i knew had lost a parent right but no one had lost both and no one at my age at all and so it was like you're kind of on your own and people um you know as well-meaning as they are were kind of like okay like are you over it yet like what you know like yeah what's the when are you gonna come back to life and so it's Did just it make you, you
0: feel um very alone
1: totally yeah
0: now mm-hmm. was uh were those events um, one of the reasons why you started studying trauma or no, not yet? No,
1: I already was. And then yeah. when I started studying trauma, so I was studying mourning and grief and kind of traumatic losses. I was looking at really sudden losses of, um, of children, actually. And um, and then I started working on identity and I wanted to look at things that rupture identity. And so I kind of reached for trauma as like a case, like, you know, a proof, like, mm-hmm. That, that identity can be shattered, and I was looking at combat veterans, so I didn't really see the connection right. um, between myself and my research for like an embarrassing amount of time. <laughs> hmm. Like, yeah.
0: So, uh, event number three in your life. Um,
1: divorce.
0: Yeah, that's obviously that's that's one for me as well. Um, how did? Shocking. Your divorce,
1: Painful. What's that? I was just gonna say, shockingly painful. Like I don't. But think very
0: different. Talk- I feel like your divorce and my dif- divorce were very different in that um, mine was very, um, very fast and sudden yeah. and kind of yeah. like um, um, quick.
1: Yeah. Yours,
0: yours, more dragged out.
1: Yeah. Yours. Yep. Yeah. But just the crumbling of a thing that you, you know, I had, after my mom died, I, I really had sworn off marriage because I was like, mm. you know, I'm not doing that. Like that took my mom, you know what I mean? She's the most powerful force in the entire universe. And like that loss of a spouse took her out.
0: Right. So like,
1: fuck that, you know, because so many people afterwards were like, oh, it's so beautiful, which like it is isn't. it isn't right. It, it was the worst thing to say at the moment, but it's also true which is such a funny thing with grief. Like people say the worst possible thing at the worst possible moment, but um, I had sworn off marriage. I was like, I'm simply not doing that. Like there's no way. And then when I got married, I, I really felt like I was uh, I had kind of conquered that fear in myself or something. I don't know, really. Um, So to see that unravel and to lose someone without them dying was really shocking to me because I have had other losses. I had a boyfriend who died, um and I have so I've had a lot of loss and I just I thought I kind of thought the only thing we had to worry about was death
0: but and, now now death has been around you um a yeah. lot and so uh
1: yeah and you can lose in other ways like somebody can disappear when they're standing right next to you like right. you know, right. and they're still there but they're not and so yeah so that was that was uh painful in a in a way that was really unexpected and again just kind of took me out do you feel like yours because it was fast like do you feel like that was that's easier that's kind of a terrible question
0: yes no it's not it's like um um it's like uh i hate to i hate to to, to use this example but it's like a a wounded animal on the side of the road and it's yeah. sometimes better to put the animal out of its misery right yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: um for I you
1: ripping the band-aid off but yeah <laughs> what's that i was thinking about ripping the band-aid off
0: yeah um exactly yeah I, for me it was uh y- you know it was also because i uh um I, I put her on a pedestal i didn't have any friends like she was the sun i kind of revolved around was well, around that. it was my identity and you know the whole thing came came crashing uh, she wanted a separation. And then that separation turned into a divorce very fast. I think she wanted a divorce, but she was scared to say the divorce. So yeah. she um, planted as Hey, we're just going to separate, you know, maybe we'll get married again, Let, let's just do it just to you know, and then we'll start over. And yeah, then of course, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm on Craigslist looking for a new place to live. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, uh, yes, traumatic, but also uh, one of the biggest, uh, I would say the biggest catalyst in my life that repositioned me and um, forced me to um, into a, 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 my hero's journey. I mean, everything happened because of that incident, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Think yeah. about like what your life would be like if that hadn't happened, you know?
0: I would be wearing, I would be tucking my shirt in and and I would be miserable. I think I would be um, going, because I was already studying to become a therapist, but I was, uh, uh, I think I would just be, um, you know, wearing the wrinkle-free pants and um, going into the <laughs> nondescript rooms and being a that quote unquote therapist. Yeah, the divorce is what um, chopped me at the at the at the knees, and I had to um, do some soul searching. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, let's start with your definition of trauma. uh, Okay, because I think it's so good.
1: Unbearable emotional experience that lacks relational home.
0: Yes. And so far, we've talked about very big life events, uh, which, of of course, can be traumatic. But things that happen daily can be traumatic, correct? And, and this is a yeah. misconception.
1: Yeah, completely. I was just talking to a client the other day about a moment when she was in a school environment. She was really young and she kind of thought even at that young age that she the only value that she had was like her intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a fourth grade or something like that, but she's already trying to kind of put herself in the social order and she's like, I, I'm the smart one. And she had this teacher that year that continuously shut her down, like and kind of in a mean way that that probably wouldn't be acceptable these days because teaching has changed a lot. But back then it was like, you know, you're, you know, let somebody else talk and you're being a hog and kind of making fun of her a little bit. And she struggled with that kind of underneath everything for her whole life. And part of the reason is because we don't since we don't look at those little events as traumatic, we don't legitimize them, then we don't look at them. And then we yeah. don't see how they're shaping our behavior in our lives. You know,
0: I almost feel like the little events that are traumatic, um, actually can be more more uh, damaging or dangerous, because we don't yeah. uh, file them as trauma uh, traumatic. The big things yeah. we do, you know what it's like, it's like being in an abusive relationship. I always say that uh, it, Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah
0: if it's obvious abuse, if it's physical abuse, right, um, you know, it's abuse. Yeah. And um, eventually you're, you're, you're going to make your escape plan or, or, or whatever. But if it's like this kind of subtle, maybe yeah. gaslighting, it could go on for years. And
1: yeah.
0: it could really, you um, make you you know uh think you're uh less than or defective or crazy or you know all of those things so oh yeah
1: slowly like erode your whole sense of self i actually just heard terry real say that the research shows so come for him not me Mm -hmm. (laughs) that the research shows that when they look at people who've been in physically abusive relationships that are also emotionally abusive that those that those survivors say that they would prefer the physical violence over the Mm, emotional violence because exactly what you just said, because it's so, it's so hard to point out and look at, it's hard to find the wound. Where's the bruise? How do I fix it?
0: Yeah. I mean, going back to both of our divorces, it's like, I feel like the physical violence is, uh, because it's sudden, it's quick, you know, Um, it's obvious, it's obvious. Uh, But the other one, the slow burn, the confusion, yeah. the emotional roller coaster. Uh, all, Lack
1: of yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so going back to to trauma and how um, I think we all have uh, trauma in our lives, uh, and I think this is why your book is so important. And mm-hmm. most people think uh, trauma, um, as in uh, sexual abuse or or war, um, yeah. but trauma can be. Uh, Anything that, like you said, lacks a, a relational home?
1: Completely. Anything that's overwhelming enough to kind of alter the way that your normal functioning is happening in your brain and body can become a lasting trauma. And that's gonna be different for you based on different moments of your life and what your capacity is and what your social support network looks like. And it's also the case that lots of people go to, go to war and they don't have trauma.
0: Right. Lots right. So two people through. could have the same experience, but one, exactly. for one person it could be traumatic and the other person, it, it may not be.
1: Uh, right. So what I like about the unbearability thing is that it's the person who lives through it that gets to be like, Oh, that was unbearable. And this right. wasn't, but unbearable is high enough of bar to not let us get to say that, like absolutely anything is ridiculous. You know, yes. I mean that anything is traumatic because that can get ridiculous.
0: So, um, how does that affect us when we experience trauma on, on, you know, which, whichever level, how does that um, a- affect us? Because I think a lot of people also minimize. Uh, so they never seek help because yeah. they are you know, like, you know, whatever I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm not yeah. uh, um, whatever. I'm not, uh, you know, suffering.
1: I'm not affected or. I'm yeah. Not totally. affected. yeah. Right. yeah. The, I mean, I think w- one of the things is that we don't really understand like how adaptive our biology is. Like we are these, these, brilliant machines moving through the world and ki- constantly adapting appropriately to internal stuff and external stuff. Right,
0: right. And so
1: we need those systems to be working. And when we have anything that's sufficiently overwhelming that those systems get thrown out of whack, which they're supposed to do, right which I can explain in a second, that is potentially traumatic. And if you don't go back to sort of your baseline quick enough and process that in a safe place, then you get stuck in overdrive. And that starts to change everything, the way you appear in the world, the, what you believe about yourself, like mm. what your, your horizon completely changes and your life can get really small. Um, I like,
0: I like what you said, cause I'm such a visual person um, stuck in overdrive.
1: Yeah. Cause so our system, oh, would that
0: look different for, for the individual? What are some broad strokes? What are some examples on what that would look like stuck in overdrive?
1: So we're designed to kind of toggle back between like overdrive. And then I don't know what the opposite of overdrive is. Drive? Neutral. Neutral, first, okay. First
0: gear, <laughs> yeah. Downshifting.
1: So, yeah, so you're, you're designed to be, to be able to downshift. And mm-hmm. if you get stuck in overdrive, it's like, you know, when you watch a scary movie and like you get a little jumpy. And yeah, you're, you're like,
0: like that all the time.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. But this would be like if you get stuck there so that imagine if you're moving through the world and you're just trying to like get to work or get to the coffee shop, Mm -hmm. you get in the car and every noise that you hear puts you on, you're already on edge. And so then every noise that you hear, you know, tips over into extreme anxiety or irritability or rage. And then by the time it's lunchtime, like you look like you're living a normal life to everybody else, but internally you're like burnt and exhausted because you're, you're, you know, in, in a different situation, you're, you're in overdrive and everyone else is in first. Does that make sense?
0: yeah and I feel like this is the majority yeah you know
1: what do you mean like people are most people are in overdrive
0: yeah I think most people are um...
1: sure because we are this is the thing like someone the other day was like why do you think people are like so angry all the time right now because people are doing crazy shit right they're like screaming Starbucks and getting out of their cars and screaming at each other traffic and stuff like that we do not have coping mechanisms and techniques we learned that day one of the pandemic. And now we've been living through that for two and a half years. Like of course we've been in overdrive because like our lives are in danger.
0: Well, uh, so if you're alive, you just based on the last two and a half years, yeah. you've experienced trauma. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: exactly. yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And that's not even to touch like any of the financial stuff or the political right. stuff. That's right. All up. the
0: marriages that are crumbling because yeah. of the pandemic, uh, fine. Yeah, inflation, guess all the stuff, right? I mean, well,
1: yeah, totally. It's a it's a if yeah.
0: you invested in crypto, <laughs> chances are you, have you've had some trauma recently. Um, so let's talk about if you uh know that you've had some trauma in your life and mm-hmm. um, you realize that it is impacting you You realize that you're stuck in overdrive there's anxiety maybe you're very reactive you know all yeah. the ways that it can kind of ripple what are some steps uh because you talk about processing and just to bring yeah. it to street level for anyone who doesn't even know what that means what are we talking about
1: So I think like keeping with the metaphor, you want to open the hood, right. Mm -hmm. And like, look at what's there. So what is happening for you and what feels out of, out of norm? Like if you, where, where's the distress coming up? What's the symptom and how is it showing up in your body? Because there's lots of different ways to attack these symptoms because one of the things I wish we taught this like in elementary school, but we actually have a lot more control over the functioning of the nervous system than we think we do, especially when it comes to the symptoms of trauma. So if we, instead of like noticing the symptoms and trying to shove them away, if we actually looked at them and figured out what they were causing, then we could figure out how to walk them back. And so we can look at an example, but basically you want to work on two levels. You want to work on the cognitive level to process whatever didn't get processed in to begin with. And then you want to work on the nervous system body level so that you Mm -hmm. learn how to be like an embodied thing in the world in a way that feels safe again.
0: So trauma isn't just a, um, you know, investigating your cognition or I'm going to outthink this or I'm going to figure this out thing. Trauma is a Mm -hmm. mind body, right?
1: Yeah. And we, you know, the whole field of psychology thought for a long time that all you needed to do is work cognitively. All right. you need to do is figure out what's going on in your mind. And then the, yeah. the body symptoms were just an extension of that. They'll just go away. But now we understand that the, you know, the, the brain is connected in fact, to the body. And so the, the, there are imprints from the trauma on the body as well. So those have to be worked out as well.
0: Do you see so, what's coming in the distance? It's growing bigger and bigger. Do you see what's coming? It has two yeah. wheels. Uh, my motorcycle story. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I feel it. Uh, What we opened with, because when you said drop into your body, that yeah. it was an example of that. So
1: yeah. you want to tell the motorcycle story?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I've uh, gone down on my motorcycle three or four times and luckily have not I've walked away every time. And this one one time I was uh, at a diner. uh Doing some riding. It was uh dark. It was like uh, uh nine or ten p.m. and I was making a left turn. Mm-hmm. And as I was making a left, i was right about to make a left, this car comes, swerves, and nicks my front tire. Uh and mm-hmm. thank God she swerved because if she didn't swerve, she would hit my legs and I I would I would definitely uh, probably be in a wheelchair today. But she hit my front tire and my bike went flying. I went up in the air. The people around me said I went up in the air, did a flip like a backflip and landed on my feet. Um, which is um, how I imagine how I like to imagine it very kind of ninja um, yeah but I fell off the bike and uh, um, of course-
1: do you, what happened to your perception in that moment what everything, do you everything slow down yeah. slow
0: motion yeah so uh, that's
1: kind of overwhelm on the on, on your viscera on your perceptions everything just like you just like disconnect from yourself and you start to feel time yes shift, which is crazy. Yeah. Hey,
0: by the way, what's your theory on that? Um, I know, I know Dax Shepard has a theory, many people have theories on why when you're in that kind of um, panic, fight or flight situation, that uh, things like time actually feels like it's slowing down, you know, Oh, we know why? <laughs> well, tell us.
1: <laughs> Let's get Dax on here. <laughs> um, because so the brain, when it when it senses danger, it automatically alters function to better prepare you to handle that danger. And mm-hmm. so that can look like a whole bunch of different things. Like that might look like um, you, so this is fight, flight, or freeze, right? You might right. fight, you might flee, and you might freeze. And the, the we think that our perception of time is like connected to Apple and like the clock. And like we have this innate perception of time. It's one of the things that gets basically like disconnected When we have a whole bunch of stress hormones coursing through the body and the alarm system in the brain going off. Because if you think about like what you might need in an extreme emergency situation where someone is chasing you, you're going to need to like, see everything really clearly so that you don't run away from a wolf, you need to know like, that you need to see all of the things that might trip you so that you are more likely to get away. So your perceptions kick into overdrive and that pulls energy from other things, which makes it feel like time is slowing when actually you're just perceiving differently than you do in the normal course of the day, because all of these systems are on. It,
0: it almost feels like a superpower. I've experienced it many times it, in my life, uh, mostly from accidents where it is, it's everything slows down. Uh, it's almost like rack focus. You suddenly, yep. um, it almost it almost feels like you have the power to slow uh, time down. That's what it feels like.
1: You do, and it's it is a superpower. This is the main like thing that we get wrong when we talk about trauma is that we assume that it's the sign of weakness or dysfunction, but it is actually. it's a strength response it's the reason we survive these things is that we can have these odd superpowers like you know when little old ladies like pick up cars
0: yeah yeah like the mom picking up the picking up the the log that she can't normally but because i mean and and that's what adrenaline and and
1: it's the same stuff your body is altering function and pulling energy electricity and blood flow away from certain things that aren't needed and putting it all towards things that are
0: amazing i mean going back (laughs) to the analogy that's the turbo button yes that's a, the turbo's kicking in <laughs> when you need to pass someone.
1: Room room. Okay, I interrupted your story, sorry.
0: That's okay. So, um the motorcycle. So what I did is I I I didn't want to um leave that event and let it have power over me. I also didn't want to uh be terrified uh or panicky every time I made a left turn at night. So yeah. Um, The motorcycle was was, you know, salvaged and it was, um, you know, unrideable. So a few weeks later, I got a new one. And then um, when I was ready, I came back to that same space. And the same exact place where I made a left. And I made sure it was nighttime because night nighttime makes a lot more scary than daytime. And uh, it was right around the same time that it happened. And I made a left. And I went around Mm -hmm. the block and I came back, I made a left again. And I kind of dropped into my body knowing that now I'm giving myself a corrective experience. Um, mm-hmm. I want to I want to kind of eclipse the old terrifying okay. experience with this new experience, I want to lay new tracks, I want to rewire myself and condition my body and let my body know that I can make a left turn. And every mm-hmm. time I make a left turn at night, I'm not going to get hit by a car. So yeah, I, I went like six circles and did it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's that exposure. Oh, you know, there's a lot of therapeutic methods that are based on this. And one of them, I think actually is a form of torture. That is a, a terrible thing, which we can talk about if you want, but, um, exposing yourself repeatedly to the thing is, is a way to desensitize yourself as long as you're in the right headspace and you're in a safe you know, place as you were, you were doing this intentionally. Some people do that without meaning to, mm-hmm. and what they end up doing is repeating the, the mistake. Yes. So what you're doing is trying to like, both process what happened in the moments, you can feel some of those emotions and also give yourself the opposite experience of like, I am safe, I can take a left turn, I can drive my motorcycle at night, like,
0: Right, if you're not doing it with intention and with awareness, there's also a chance you could just be re-traumatizing yourself, correct? Oh, uh,
1: there's uh, like a a guarantee that that you're, yeah, for sure.
0: How would you do a form of this if you've been in relationships that were traumatic? I'm assuming mm-hmm. um make <laughs> make better choices and set yourself up for a new love experience where the, the sky isn't falling and people aren't throwing chairs.
1: Yeah, I think like it's such an interesting thing. Like this is one of the things I work with the most with clients and and I also work with couples and um you have to go against all of the noise that exists in society about relationships because so much of it is as you talk about all the time is complete bullshit, right? Like, um, but I think one of the things is that one of the misconceptions is that, okay, I'm going to just go away into a basement and heal my trauma Mm -hmm. by myself. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be ready to just have a relationship and it won't be a big deal relationships are how we heal so you you of course if you need time to like go be by yourself and sort things out that's fine but don't think that you can solve everything and just sort all your issues and then enter a relationship as if nothing bad happened you have to enter the relationship and and be open to that relationship being the opposite experience so if you felt neglected um, or if you felt abused or whatever you have to be open to the opposite experience of that which means, the relationship is fundamentally likely to feel different from the get-go right like one of the things i i don't think you've talked about this a lot recently but like the um you called it like a slow burn
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in
1: your like like the difference between having that like firecracker i mean the lightning
0: the lightning in the bottle versus slow burn yeah
1: yeah and that's because i think like we get a lot of the times the lightning in the bottle is just like is actually just uh I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a, a an interesting metaphor but it's not coming but like yeah, dysfunction. It's it's madness. And it and it's disguised up as excitement and it is isn't
0: or it it feels familiar because that's what we're used to.
1: Right.
0: You know, and so we um mistake that for love. We mistake right. it for you know, yeah. And then and that's also why if we're not aware of this, we end up um in the same relationships people always say oh yeah i'm always in the same relationship and the only thing changes are faces and it's because you're chasing after this uh lightning yep. possibly totally um, and you're not and there's just, a
1: lesson that you need to learn there sorry
0: yeah no one because the slow burn born uh the slow burn can be boring
1: right you feel right boring. right right and then you're like oh well i'm not attracted or i'm not interested and it's like well is that true or do you just feel safe and that's right. unfamiliar which is that which is like a little bit heartbreaking and then i think the other thing. In relationships, is that we have to be more willing to like come to the table and talk about what we're scared of. So, like, the number of times a week I have a conversation that's like, okay, it's okay to need reassurance. Mm-hmm. It's just that you want to make sure that 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 you negotiate that with your partner so that they don't start to feel, you know, controlled. And so Mm -hmm. you come to the table and say and no one ever talks about this. And you can say, look, you know, I've gotten cheated on a bunch of times and I'm really trying to have a new kind of relationship. But whenever you pick up your phone at dinner, I get really nervous. Like, can we talk about that? Can we make a different plan?
0: So when you have two people actually willing to show their fears, what they're struggling with, that produces (laughs) relationship glue.
1: Completely, and and without judgment or shame, like oh my god, here's my baggage. Like no, this past experience made an imprint, and and that's because my brain and body are working correctly, and so now I'm afraid of this. So so how can how can you help me not be afraid, right? Well, not the other person's responsibility, but how can we enter into a negotiation where I feel safe so that I don't right. just keep having the same experience?
0: The actual uh, experience of um, feeling safe while expressing yourself in itself is the the beginning of this is is a new experience for many people.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. And then, so be creative, right? So if you, if you feel like you can't sit in front of the person and say it, like figure out how to write it, you know, Mm -hmm. open up some kind of channel of communication so that you can address these things and face them. Cause we just don't say Like the more I work with couples, the more I'm like, fuck, like we, you know, we lament that, that 50% of people get divorced, but like, that's, that's a celebration. 50% of the people work out. That's shocking to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Based on what you've experienced. Yeah. What, um, what about the cognitive piece? And is this the, the therapy, uh, trauma coaching, this kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, And I think this is where the processing comes in No.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, I think we can actually, I think this doesn't have to only happen in therapy. I think as a culture, we can get better at understanding how to deal with trauma and help each other with this, especially in these kind of like these, these more like kind of, I don't know what to call them mundane, you know, traumas that aren't these big, huge things that are really rippling through your life. Um, But basically what you need to do when, when, when all those things are in overdrive, like we were talking about the memory gets coded in your brain completely differently than your regular memory. Mm -hmm. And so your brain, which is trying to be helpful, will bring up all of the, the pieces related to that traumatic memory, whenever it sees anything that's, that's reminiscent of that. And so you have to do some work with the memory file before that stops happening in your brain because your brain will just keep pushing it forward in the, you know, it might be in the form of nightmares or intrusive thoughts or kind of outsized emotional responses to normal things like whatever. So it's important to look at what's there. And that requires having a full narrative of the event um, that has beginning, middle and end and closure, which sometimes you have to provide yourself. Um, and then an, an appropriate emotional reaction, like that's normal to have with memories. Sometimes I think we have the, the frame on it that like, I will, I'll know that I'm healed when I don't feel anymore. And that's not how memory works, right? If I start talking to you about the morning, my dad died, I'm going to feel sad. That's not because I haven't healed or something is wrong with me. It's because I opened a memory file and there was a story there and there's sadness right next to it. And then when I put that away, then it, then, then we can move on. Um, And then the third thing that the memory file needs to have is a meaning that is related to appropriately to the rest of your life. So using the example of divorce, a lot of clients, I'm sure you see this as well. All the time I see this and I've experienced it myself where like, you have a narrative that makes sense. You have some emotional content, but then the tag that you have on the folder is like, I'm a failure you know, and that needs to sometimes be changed too. So those are the three things, the the narrative piece, the emotional content, processing that with a therapist or someone who feels safe, and then reframing whatever meaning those things are the things that will kind of sort out the cognitive piece. And that's actually been, that's a really stable. We know that from the 1800s, like that's been a very stable kind of mainstay of trauma healing.
0: And what uh, prevents people from even getting to this uh, into any kind of, um, you know, uh, a processing room is usually the shame around the trauma. So if you've had trauma in your life, um, no Mm -hmm. matter how how big or small, usually it's lined with shame. And it's something that you don't want to expose. And by not exposing it, it becomes the the uh, the shadow uh, cast by your own hand. I feel Mm -hmm. like the processing what that does is that makes you um, actually look under the bed and realize there's a monster there.
1: Totally. I have a chapter in the book that's about Do you know the concept of referred pain? No, tell us. So, um the body is kind of strange sometimes. Like you'll have pain that shows up somewhere in your body, but that place isn't the source. That's not the problem. The most common place this tends to come up is when you show up at the dentist with a toothache and actually what's happening is you're having a heart attack.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so it's like the pain is referred. It's sent somewhere right, else. Right. So you go to the dentist and you're like, ah, oh, this is going to be a pain in the ass. I'm going to have to have a filling. And they're like, you need to go to the emergency room because you mm-hmm. don't have a problem with your tooth. There's this underlying thing. Yeah. And I think um, what happens with a lot of people is that because we think we know everything about ourselves because we're in our own head, Mm-hmm. um we miss that a lot of the time the pain is referred so you you come in with a symptom and you're like i don't know why my relationships always look like this like the example you were talking about before and you're sometimes people are blaming it on the, the people they're dating you see this all the time on instagram right. everyone yeah. on date is a narcissist okay yeah. <laughs> probably not yeah wildly bad luck if that is true but um so what's the what's the thing underneath it that's causing you to repeat mm-hmm. that pattern which sometimes that happens when people don't have shame they just don't know where the source of the pain is coming from you know what
0: yeah. i mean yeah yeah and so uh i also like this idea that shame is an indicator that shame is yeah. uh you know can mm-hmm. be um um a black light things completely. to explore process look at
1: yeah completely
0: tell us three things in your book um that uh, you're passionate about as far as uh, um, when, when someone's done reading this book, I want them to
1: take mm-hmm. away these
0: three things. And, and, and that, that would make me um, happy and that it's out in the world because if they take away these three things, I feel like I did my job with this book.
1: This is such a good question. And I'm like, I want to answer it correctly. <laughs> the first thing is that the trauma response is a biological process. mm mm-hmm. And calling it wrong is like saying that you should be that you're wrong for being hungry. Like it doesn't make any mm, sense. Right. If we didn't have hunger, we wouldn't survive. If we didn't right. have the trauma response, we wouldn't survive. So like the so the first thing is the trauma response is a biological response and we need it. Mm-hmm. The second thing, which is related to that, is that it is a sign of strength and function, mm. not weakness or disorder. And yeah, that's well, let's, not- let's
0: stop right there. Because I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. It re- reminds me of my whole thing. You know, I tell people that every part of your story would will be used. Yes. And, um,
1: yeah.
0: I, I say that because so many of us want to rip out chapters of us our, our story, whether yeah. it's divorce, or, you yeah. know, our parents dying, or whatever it is, because, um, yes, I get it that there's pain there, there might be shame, there might be regret. Um, but those are important parts of your story and they will be used you know like so for me you know being a failed screenwriter wish i could delete that i wish i could delete you know my my whole uh, years in the club business and all of the stuff mm. but those are the things that really have repositioned me and uh, made me grow and so um, i love what you're saying you're saying that uh, this, the same kind of thing you know with, with yeah with, with trauma
1: Yep. Completely. And I, and I think, um, that's a great example because I think like we've all had situations where like with enough time, you see how pivotal it is.
0: Yeah. Connecting the dots.
1: Right. So you like, you're like, okay, I want to raise this. I want to raise this. I want to raise this. And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. Then this, and I wouldn't, you know, my life wouldn't make sense. Like, yeah.
0: So trauma being a good thing which no one has ever said, <laughs> right? Well, it's um, just, that, you
1: are, you are in, because of what happened to you, not in spite right, of it, you know?
0: Right. right. Yeah. Um, I love that. I like to see our stories as a, a, a quilt and not a blanket.
1: Yeah, All
0: Yes. Unique patches.
1: Yeah. So the trauma response is never wrong. The, 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 having trauma is a sign of strength mm-hmm. and not, you know, when it, it, it's, it's, It's a sign of strength and order, not weakness and dysfunction. And the third thing is that um, we kind of, to your point about the quilt, like the goal of trauma healing is integration, not forgetting, not being somehow unblemished, not going back to the past. And, and integration is possible, Mm -hmm whatever it is you're dealing with and however gnarly it seems in the moment is, is possible. Not always of course, but, um, but much, much more often than we think when we, when we can peel the shame away and actually look at it.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I, and I, uh, and I think this is why this book is so important. Um, The world needs it. I feel like um, we need to look at trauma through a new lens Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's available right now for pre order. So go grab it. Uh, Amazon it's wide, correct? It's what it's wide. It's wide. Go pick it up. It's called Unbroken by MC McDonald. Mm
1: -hmm. Dr. MC McDonald. Yep. Uh,
0: 14 years of studying and Mm -hmm. working with clients and all of the hard work that you've done, um, all in this book. So, um, what a gift and, uh, thank you for writing it. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for being, it's funny. Like
1: I'm just coming full circle. I'm like, this would not exist if it wasn't for you. And I know you're going to dismiss that and just like, Oh, whatever. But like, if I hadn't met you on Tumblr, none of this would have happened.
0: Sure. And I don't take credit for that. I really believe that we're all catalysts uh, in each other's totally. uh, lives. And for a reason, it's, it's bigger yeah. than, than than me, you know, I think that um, that's the beauty of humans is our collisions, you know, and the exchange, right. Yeah. And and also, yeah. I, I love that usually we're wrong about why we met someone. <laughs> yes, there is mystery there. And the, the, there's magic there, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and this- why we
0: thought we met someone usually, uh, it's, something completely left field and different
1: yep which is like such a like i don't know humbling beautiful thing
0: like no it is a beautiful thing right um and also it makes you feel um safe in that there's something greater happening it makes yeah. you realize how uh, how small we are in a way
1: yeah yeah and that there's this order sort of like on that's revealing itself that we don't yeah. get a you don't get access to we just live it which is kind of right
0: cool. right and it also makes us accept things like death
1: yeah. Yes. Unexpected and all yeah. of
0: that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, where can we find you
1: if we want to uh, um, know more? I'm on Instagram. Yes. Um, it's, e- it's E-M-S-E-Y-P-H-D, mm-hmm. M-C-P-H-D on Instagram. Um, and I have a website, alchemycoaching.life. And uh, yeah, the book is called Unbroken. The trauma response is never wrong. And um, you can pre-order it now
0: is a very talented writer. Follow her on social. She um has really great reads and uh, her feed is great. And also go pick up her book. Yes. You will learn so much. Oh, thank you. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you for this conversation. I uh Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you and uh I love um us kind of um holding hands and doing what we do and touching base and yes. and, and um I I still don't know for sure all the stuff that's going to happen from from our collision do you know what i'm saying like a stone like a stone that's kind of like um skipping a a lake i feel like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so um who knows who knows um what else will unfold yeah yeah. yeah all right everyone thank you for listening be well Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordo. Lumia Coach Training